You missed the headline and the top story of the day? Extra, extra, read all about it. Don't worry, because we got you covered. This is how we do It's the Cattles and Rami. Top spot. Sorry, I was just distracted by the worst trade proposal that I've ever seen in my life. Oh. By uh, FanDuel. Which was? Damian Lillard to the Celtics. Okay. For Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, a second round pick, and a first round pick. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I know what they're doing. That is obvious. What are they doing? They are obviously trying to get some uh, reaction because... Uh, it's like bait. You're saying that's bait? That is the most uh, ridiculous trade proposal that I have seen in quite some time, and that says an awful lot. That feels baity to you? Dame Dalla for Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, a first-round pick. Too good to be true. When you, when you can get a, you know, when you can get a middle, you know... <laughs> Mid-30s guy who uh, is going to be making like $64 million two years from now. Why not give up two key pieces to a team that <laughs> made it to the finals last year in Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals this year? I mean, you got to do it. All right, uh, top story today has to do with Sasha Vizankov. That's right, Sasha Vizankov got a little bit of an update for Kings fans about Vizankov. It might not necessarily be the update that we were all hoping for, but we did get one, and uh, that update came from the Urbonus podcast. And uh, let me grab these fellas' names one more time: Donantis Urbonus and Augustus Suliauskas. Did your eyes play tricks on you like mine did, where I read that as Demontis Sabonis the first uh, time I saw that name on the screen? No. Okay. Played tricks on me a little bit about Donantis and Demontis. Yes. But uh, the whole thing. I read the whole thing. It's yeah. DeMontis Sabonis. So here are those two gentlemen giving us an update on the Urbonus podcast on Sasha Vizankov and his possible move to the Kings. Vizankov, at first, it was almost clear that he's for sure done with Olympiakos. But for instance, in the recent days, I heard that the situation is changing a little bit and it's not clear yet if he's really going there because it takes a lot of different questions for instance his nba buyout uh his potential salary in the nba if he's not in getting if he's not getting like i don't know uh four or five million net in the nba which means almost 10 million, 10 million contract uh basically for him this is not the best business decision to, to go overseas because also we have to pay the 1.5 million buyout okay and be team uh, covers half of it, but then you have to pay from your own pocket. So it it might be difficult for him to, to go over there because Sacramento also, they have to do and plan their off-season moves and then to check the salary cap for potential Vizenkov's contract. All right, Rami. So Vizenkov reportedly wants like 10 million bucks a season from the Kings to make this move from Olympiacos to Sacramento. Um, do you think this is leverage? Do you think this is just playing games? Or do you think Vizenkov is legit serious about, nah, man, I'm not going to show up if you don't pay me what I think I'm worth, and I think I'm worth $9, $10 million a year? I think both can be true. I think both are true. I think it's it's him trying to gain as much leverage as he can in these negotiations and these discussions and get 
as much as he can out of either the Kings or the Kings competitors in in Europe and and however you know they can they can put together the money through endorsements and salary and everything else to make to make that a more desirable destination but Nick this wasn't the price tag that I I thought the Kings were looking at to bring Vizankov over I thought it was somewhere in the four to six million dollar per year range based on some things that we've heard before and just just based on the the tone the tenor of that conversation along with the facts or 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 reports that they're putting out there it seems like less of a done deal than than what we had maybe thought or been led to believe or just convinced ourselves of when it comes to Sasha Vizankov becoming a Sacramento king i think there's there are still more hurdles to clear and things to figure out here than than maybe we thought in in discussing this in recent weeks. Yeah, there are uh, lots and lots of games with the salary cap that the Kings can play here. Uh, if you're going to sit there and tell me that the grand plan is to bring back Harrison Barnes for $18-20 million and then use your mid-level exception on Sasha Vizankov, I don't think that's enough. I, I think you've got to address multiple things this offseason with legitimate talent. You need a backup big who is going to be able to give you 15 minutes a night. It'd be great if that backup big could fit alongside Domas as well to maybe play the you know the four or the five while Domas plays the four or the five uh, as the other guy plays the four. You need somebody who can fit, i.e. a big who can stretch the floor. You need that. You need at least a couple of wings that can defend. Vizenkov, look, even if he's okay defensively, he's not going to be defined by his defense. So if you're telling me HB and Vizenkov is the plan, I don't think that's good enough. I think you need to upgrade. So we'll see what happens. But again, there are a lot of different things that uh, the Kings can do. They don't have to necessarily. They don't have to necessarily use that mid-level on Sasha, dependent on what they do elsewhere with the cap space that they have. Uh, the other big story that we're talking about today is the uh, PGA, the PGA, the DP World Tour, and uh, Live Golf have agreed to join forces. That's right, the PGA officially in the Saudi business, getting that money funneled to them now. There were lawsuits involved and all that stuff, but apparently they figured let's let's all get together and be buddies instead of battling each other. And of course this means that but, the PGA lied but, to everybody, which thought, is not a shock. But I thought the PGA had ethics. I thought the PGA had morals, and 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 Live Golf was funded by blood money, Nick. Until they were offered a certain bag, and they were like, you know what? Morals out the door. Gotta by, get that bag. By blood money, I tell you. Yeah. Dirty, dirty blood money. I mean- Saudi Arabia. It is awful. The, the worst part of it all, because listen, neither Rami nor I are surprised that the PGA ended up taking Saudi money at the end of the day. We're not surprised by that. We're not shocked by, you know, a big corporation slash league, you know, taking bags of money over principle because it happens pretty much every day in this world. That's not surprising. But really the worst of the worst is how far PGA Commissioner Jay Monahan went last year to try to, you know, besmirch live golf and attack Saudi money and all of those kinds of things. Invoking 9-11 during some of the things that he said publicly. You know, and as somebody texted in earlier in the show, you know, what about the the victims' families 
of 9-11. Yeah. I mean, we, we could all agree that this is not surprising, but also that Monaghan went way too far last year to defend himself and his position, and now you circle back a year later, and he pretty much just threw out 9-11 names for fodder, which we we all knew could be the case, but it is now absolutely the case after saying yes to this money from Saudi and getting into this deal with Live Golf. And not to mention, Nick, they're, some of their biggest names... Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy, others, they came out and and towed the company line. Yes. For the PGA. They and and turned down big big money from Live Golf in the process to go over there and play. Eight and, figures, nine figures. And we're telling anybody who would hold a microphone up to their face that that Live Golf was was blood money and it was bad for the sport and these guys should be ashamed of themselves and now part of the money that's that's come that's going to be going into their checks is coming from that very same organization yep. that that they just tore door, tore down at the behest of their boss and 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 the company that they worked for. There's just zero loyalty or morality or ethics at all in in this whole thing, which I knew. I'm just glad that 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 it says it's as clear and transparent to everybody now as it has been to me and you all along. It's uh you know imagine waking up today. And you're a PGA golfer, and you find out this news via Twitter. Via Twitter, that you Colin Morikawa, you know, guy. you went out there and you and you said what you said, as Rami just mentioned. You know, you stood by the PGA. You said, "We're not going to do that. We're better than them. We're not going to take the blood money. We're not going to get involved in business with them." And then a year later, you find out that behind closed doors, unbeknownst to you. The PGA commissioner was working on this gigantic money deal with the Saudis and Live Golf. Yeah. It's, while, it's, while the while the two parties have been killing each other in the media, Nick, just destroying each other in the media. And that's these, terrible. And these golfers have been going back and forth. There there have been personal rifts that have that have developed over this thing. And here's the thing too. Here's the thing too. Is that Live was not succeeding. Let, let, they had a deal, quote unquote, with mm-hmm. the CW network. Nobody was watching. Remember, they cut off a tournament to yeah. go to like re- reruns, go to like a rerun, of, a syndicated show, a deal or no deal or something. Nobody was like Live was suffering. So the fact that the PGA tour literally threw a lifeline to Live Golf to secure the bag. That's what they they could have let Live Golf fail miserably. And two years from now, you know, bring the golfers God, back really... if they wanted to. But they they actually said, no, you know what? We're going to save you from yourself because we want the money that bad. And that just that just tells you how big the offer must have been from the Saudis and, and from Live Golf, Nick, to 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 convince the PGA to 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 go to enter this and basically save their lives. They being Live Golf. It, it had to be a huge, huge sum. I hope somebody uncovers the number and just what the the deal that, that was too good to refuse was from, from Live Golf to the PGA. I'm so curious on what that number is, man. man. I gotta know. I would be so heated if I was a PGA golfer right now. Heated. 
And well, they, if they, I was one of the more vocal ones, yes. If I was somebody who was just sitting back and going, I know what this is, and I know how it's going to end, then I'm just sitting back today going, it's finally over and we can all get back to playing golf. You know what I mean? But if I'm Tiger or Rory or one of these guys that, A, turned down big money, and then B, came out and, and berated Live Golf and, and the golfers that, that, that defected to go over there... Yeah, you made me look like a jackass. I also would love to see what the fine is going to be for these live golfers because reportedly the PGA is going to fine the guys who went to live some kind of monetary uh, number here that we'll see. And I'd love to see it. Like Phil Mickelson's like, whatever, I just made a ton of money to go to live golf and all of you crapped on me and now you're going to be in bed with the same people. And you didn't make the money that I made. So who made the right move? Right. How much is Phil going to get fined? Are we talking 10 million, 20 million, 50 million slap on the wrist? What are Not they enough do? to matter. I'd love, I'd, lo- I'd love to get those figures. And will the PGA release those? Probably not. Uh, is the Seahawks roster better than the 49ers? We'll discuss that in 90 seconds. Cattles and Robbie. Cattles and Robbie. Sacktown Sports. JJ is switching things up on us. Yes, sir. Board. Heavy. More uh, rock and roll today than usual. And this is pretty heavy. I'm waiting for somebody to scream over this. You can do it if you'd like. Welcome back to Jackdown Sports! <laughs> Knew I was going to get him to do it. <laughs> Rip your eyes out! It's the Cattles and Rami Show! That's all they do, really. You've ever seen the punk band that plays with a dog? Uh, no. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Simone? No. K-Ninus? Look up K-Ninus. I think that's the name of the band. Is everyone good? The dog's good? Dog is as good a lead singer as you're going to find for like oh, a hard okay. rock or metal band. Yeah. The dog's the lead singer? Yeah. yeah. Kills it. Come on. Are you kidding me? I'm telling you. No idea who you're talking about. Pull it up. That's something that I would absolutely remember. <laughs> it's not every day you have a dog lead singer of a band. It's like a heavy metal, heavy metal band or heavy metal yeah, there they are right there. Just It's K-Ninus. Take your word for it. I think we should play a little bit. I don't think we should play any of it. <laughs> Let, no, JJ... <laughs> mm. Let JJ and Simone decide. They're JJ the... is going to be the judge of that. <laughs> They're the producers. So, uh, yeah, that music, not necessarily my cup of tea. I like a lot of different kinds of music. I uh, can't really get into that that much. Not a headbanger? Never a headbanger? No. No? No. I don't understand the whole mosh pit thing. I don't... I get I get some people love it or whatever. But just never has really been... There was thing. a little mosh pit broke out at the, the concert Simone and I were at Friday night. Really? Yes. It was that kind of party. Yeah. I, we were nowhere near it, but yeah. That was <laughs> Absolutely <of> not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's get back to some football here. Do you guys find K-Ninus? Right. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay. Give us a second. There's a decent amount of 49ers being a top five team talk in the NFL this year, right? But not Mike Clay of ESPN. Uh, Mike Clay of ESPN broke down every roster, and he separated the positional groups and graded them. And when you put all of it together, Mike Clay has the Niners with the 15th graded roster in the NFL. 15th. Interestingly enough, he has the Seahawks... At 14, 
So he has Seattle at 14, San Francisco at 15. Rami, is the Seahawks roster on paper better than the 49ers? Looking at a lot of the, 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 the teams the rot that are listed ahead of them, I take issue with a handful. But when you look at Seattle, Nick, and you look at his grades and, and you break it down position by position, you can't re- – now, you, if you want, you could take issue with, like, the the discrepancy between the two position groups. In other words, saying, okay, they might be better, but that much better? Yeah. You could you could maybe do that. But in terms of the, the positions where Seattle wins, I don't know that you could necessarily argue with it. He has them winning at quarterback. They got Geno Smith. The 49ers have Brock Purdy and two guys that have never really done anything at the NFL level. Um, at wide receiver, he has them better. And you're going, wait, you got Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. They got DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Those guys those guys are also pretty good. Now, the discrepancy there, like I said. Well, he, they also they also drafted. Oh, yeah, that's right. They added to that this year. Jackson Smith and Jigba, that, who that, was the best wide receiver, according to the pundits, in the draft. So I can't really take issue there. Offensive line, he gives them a slight edge. We've been sitting here in the offseason talking about how did you not do anything about the offensive line. Um, you can go to, to uh, what else did they win? They won in cornerbacks. That's a question we've had all season about the 49ers is who exactly are going to be the starting quarterbacks. Safety is is another position where he gives them the edge. They have real. They have two really good safeties. The 49ers, they got two pretty good safeties too, but I can't argue with, with Seattle winning there. Again, when you look at the total grade at the end, and he's maybe he's maybe selling the 49ers short at some positions and yeah. placing the Seahawks up a little bit too high but they they win at more positions when i look at it than i probably would have thought before looking at at this list and these grades you know going back a few weeks ago i i had kind of put down on our list of things that we could talk about is you know how much did the Seahawks close this gap between them and the Niners and this kind of hits it you know i've said it a couple of times Throughout this offseason, the Seahawks got much better. They're a better football team. And I, I think they're the one team in this conference that you have to, you know, really look at and wonder, hmm, you know, what are what are they what are they gonna look like? What are they gonna do? It's the only team that I could see even challenging the Niners in any way. The Rams, they're they're pretty much rebuilding. The Cardinals stink, Mike Check. Um, but when I look at Mike Check. when I look at the, you know, specific grades and all of that. I only have a couple of beefs. I would say I would probably rank the cornerbacks higher than Clay has because I do think that Mooney Ward is a top 10 corner. And, you know, Lenore played pretty well, and I think he's going to be better this year. Edge is low, and I get why edge is low. It's because you got Nick Bosa, and we've talked about it. You know, opposite of Bosa, you haven't really had that consistent guy. The hope is that Drake Jackson would be that guy. But even with just Bosa... He's so good, I probably would tick them up a little bit That's more. That's what I was just going to say. Bosa almost single-handedly tips the scales in favor of, of the 49ers. If I looked at the rosters in totality, again, this is all on paper because it's all that we got. I, I would probably give the slight advantage to the Niners, but it's not as much as you would think. It's really not. And Seattle has, as we know, a pretty good coaching staff and Pete Carroll and company. I think Seattle could be dangerous this year. The, the biggest question really is, can Geno replicate what he did a year ago? And look, how do we know what Brock Purdy's going to do? We don't. Mm-hmm. We could sit here and trash Geno Smith, but 
your QB1 is, what, seven games deep into his NFL career? We have no idea. He could turn into a pumpkin by week three. Got no clue. So I, I do think Seattle, they've, they've made up some ground. And I do think that they are, you know, legitimate. They are legitimate uh, uh, contenders in that conference and in that division. It'll come down, and like you said, Nick, to Geno Smith is is what it'll come down to. And was that a fluke that we saw last year? Because it usually doesn't take guys as long as it took Geno Smith to figure things out in the NFL. You know what I mean? Yeah. I forgot Geno Smith was in the league last year and chuckled when they said that he was going to be competing for the starting job. I thought that was just a way to light a fire under under somebody. But he not only won it, he, he was comeback player of the year and was off the charts good compared to the expectations that I and others had for him. Can he replicate that? Or was it kind of a one-off fluke for that guy and, and the league figures him out now? That's and and if it's if it's the latter, then all that talent really won't have the impact that that they're talking about. All right, so I didn't want to do this, but apparently, well, because Rami asked, I don't think we're I, not right now. Yeah, end of the show. Jay said at the end of the show, we'll save it for the end of the show. Oh. He just put that in the chat. So, listen, we gotta get these producers on the same page, okay? I was in the, got the a same message. room. Got a, got a message from Simone. <laughs> Simone jumped the five. gun a little bit. Just jumped the gun just Not a little Simone. bit. Not Simone. Get me a B today. Oh, no. She's never jumped the gun on anything. Get Simone saying 520. And then our guy JJ jumped in at 523. I'm sorry. I did not see that note. So we will not get to it now. But if you are one of the people that can't wait to hear. K9-ness. K9-ness. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't wait. Yeah, I don't know if it's gonna be. I don't know if it's gonna be worth the wait. But oh, it's gonna be worth the wait. You can be the judge of that. He's a very good boy. One eight hundred nine two zero eleven forty is the phone number. Uh, yes, you can call us and yell at Rami if you'd like. The text line is nine one six three three nine eleven forty. And don't forget our friends on YouTube. YouTube dot com Sacktown Sports eleven forty. And when you swing by. Give us that like. We always appreciate the like. All right, we'll talk about greed in the callback next. These phone lines. The phone is ringing. And we are checking to see who's on the line. Long time listener, first time caller. News gossip, a story. Okay, who's the next victim? It's the callback. On Cattles and Rami. All right, so uh, earlier today we caught up with Maury Brown. Our friend from Forbes. And, of course, he joined us, as every guest does, on the Folsom Lake Honda hotline. Folsom Lake Honda is your one-stop Honda shop. So uh, we were with Maury earlier today, and we wanted to discuss two things with Maury Brown. We wanted to discuss uh, the A's and this, this Vegas deal, which doesn't seem to be going that great for John Fisher. And we also wanted to talk about this uh, PGA Golf merger with Live Golf. Let's start first with the A's situation. Uh, the bill was put on the uh, legislation floor late, apparently. And uh, and when we look at it, you know, they did not even vote. The Nevada State Legislature did not even vote on this SB 509 bill uh, last night. Here was Maury Brown on uh, the bill and, and why it might not have passed. This came in right at the end of the session, and I think that while some of that may have been a byproduct of timing, some of it is also by design. I mean, it really doesn't give a lot of time for people to go ahead 
and digest what's in a very complex, you know, legislative bill. The public doesn't have much time to speak out on it. And I think that was more of a design, you know, feature, not a bug for the A's that ultimately didn't work out. I mean, I think that there was still enough time and there was still enough going on out there to where there were, you know, people at the state level and at the county level that looked at it and said, some of these are questionable and we need more time to look at it. So, Rami, how do you feel about this deal? It feels to me that uh, this uh, deal might not happen for the A's. Yeah, and it it feels to me like, and, and this is what he was alluding to there, that the A's sort of tried to fast-track this thing by presenting it as, like, it's it's a done deal and it's good for everybody. Nothing to see here. Let's just vote past this thing and pack up the moving trucks and off to Las Vegas we go. And I think some folks are taking a closer look at it now and going, whoa, 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 let's let's slow this thing down a little bit and just make sure that th- that this is something that that we really want to get into. And quite frankly, Nick, I'm not I'm not like a I'm not like some sort of mogul or billionaire. No, I'm not. So I it I don't see it, but maybe I'm missing something. I just don't see how this makes sense for Las Vegas. That you're going to put $380 million of public money into the A's? Like, you need them to draw tourists to Las Vegas? And he said what? They're projecting 7,000 tourists per game for the Las Vegas A's? Good luck with that. That If that ain't an overblown, inflated number, I, I don't know what is. The, Las Vegas does not need the A's and certainly don't need to dish out $380 million to get them there. I think this thing is long, long from being done and far, far more uh, far more distance between here and the finish line than maybe what we were led to believe earlier in these discussions. I really hope the Vegas politicians stay strong on oh, this. Oh, man. I, I really so. do. And, you know, putting your trust in the politicians, good luck with that. But I, I could I could hope, I could hope that the uh, Vegas politicians, the, the local legislature says, you know what? No, we're not. We're not for this. Almost four hundred million dollars in public funds going to a team that you know you're preaching about. You know, tourism. Your your plan is based off of tourists, not even the people that are living here that are going to pay for this. Fisher's done so many dumb things when you think about it. Just in the last like three months. And what you're rooting for, if you're an A's fan, and I don't mean this literally, all right. But you want John Fisher to sort of get choked out in these negotiations. Rami just wished that the A's owner would get choked out. I wish no physical harm on John Fisher or anyone else. You said it. I didn't. I mean, metaphorically speaking, if you can drag Mm, this thing out. It kind of sounded like you were being legit there. If you could drag this. That's my stick, okay? Don't steal my stick where I I make you look worse than what you're saying. So you're going to drag Fisher out? Is that what you just said? You're going to drag him out? You You choke him out and drag him out? You need to drag these talks out and not get a new stadium Mm. until January 14th. And that's when that sweet, sweet collective bargaining money or uh, what's what's the word that I'm revenue sharing money stops flowing in for John Fisher and the A's and then then he's motivated to sell never thought of you as a very violent guy Rami so violent uh, speaking of John Fisher who Rami wants to choke out did the- it's that metal that Jay was playing earlier man it's got me all amped all up hyped yeah. this K-Ninus want to punch someone <laughs> <laughs> will, will John Fisher ever sell the team here's Maury Brown I would have loved to have seen it about 10 years ago. I mean, I, you know, I mean, it's embarrassing. It's just embarrassing at this point. You know, and, uh, you know, in fairness, you know, Lou Wolf, who was invo- involved in this prior with the A's, he couldn't get it done either. 
But again, there is got to be some pressure at some point. I know that Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, has gone to bat for these guys, right? But there does become a point to where it's like, you know, if if you could sell that the A's for over $2 billion, I mean, make it happen. It's just hard to push guys out. I don't, I don't know if fans understand how difficult it is to persuade somebody to leave. You don't believe me? Go look at what's happening with Daniel Snyder and the commanders in the NFL and how tough that's been. And that's with some of the NFL who wanted to try to persuade Snyder out. I don't think there's a lot of owners in baseball that are looking to push out John Fisher. No, because they have even less shame than NFL owners. Just crazy. Text Which is line. hard to find. People have less shame than NFL owners, but look no further than Major League Baseball. You know, it's it, it is uh, it's truly unbelievable that they will just continue. They will just continue to you know let this happen and without much consequence, without without much punishment. Just oh no, you just keep doing this whole fakakta thing that you're doing. <laughs> uh, by the way. Text line 916-339-1140. Fisher is like the owner from Major League. So, worst owner, Rami, John Fisher or Rachel Mm. Phelps from Major League? Hmm. Now, she wanted to sell the team, right? By the way, God rest Margaret Witten. Oh, he's trying to move into Miami or something. Oh, yeah, she wanted to. Yeah, Mm, it really is Major League playing out. Except in Major League, there was at least a good enough product on the field that it was a, a possibility a realistic possibility that they could go out and win. This isn't that. So, do you think the I'm going to say John Fisher is the worst is the worst owner of the two. Do you think the A's have a cardboard cutout of John Fisher that they strip after they win games? If they do, he's still pretty much fully dressed. They've oh, just Oh, you're sexy. All they've done is taken the tie <laughs> off cuz they're not winning games. That's all they've done. Although you did say your overreaction yesterday, right? Wasn't it, uh, or was it the on the record Friday? On the record. I said they'd break the record for most losses in a season. But didn't you say at some point they were going to win? Because I remember making the joke they'd have to go on a 53-game winning streak. I don't think so. I wouldn't be that dumb, would I? No, my prediction was... I don't know was... if you said it with seriousness. You said at some point. Ah, whatever. My prediction was they'd set the record for most losses in a you season. You say so many, so many outrageous things, you just forget that. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Uh, back to our friend, Maury Brown, who was on the Folsom Lake Honda hotline. Uh, we asked him his thoughts on the merger today between the PGA and Live Golf. Uh, it, it, gosh, how can I put this on radio? It's really <laughs> disappointing. It's yeah. disappointing. It's disappointing. It, it is strictly a money thing. But I, I got to tell you, I, I can't even imagine the players, Roy McIlroy, Tiger Woods, those that were loyal to the PGA that got out there in front of this thing and stuck with it and took, you know, loyalty over money. Imagine how those guys are feeling. And and it, this is a situation in which they were found out about it over Twitter. And it was just handled poorly from start to end. And and look, it, it's money on the front end and the back end. I, I think that there were so many lawsuits going back and forth that it made it impossible to try and extract yourself from that. And then I think it was a matter of, well, let's let's look at how much money we can make in this. Because, I mean, in one of those lawsuits, they sat there. You had Jay Moynihan going, we, we can't be involved with the Saudis here because of, you know, these um, human rights issues and bringing up 9-11. And now you're going to crawl in bed with them? 
it's it's disgusting on one level. I understand it because it's money, but I mean, on principle, it, it's it's a disappointing thing. And Jay Monahan trying to sell this today as like the great panacea for golf was embarrassing. It's gonna be great. We're gonna have all the golfers. Yeah, like you had like two years ago, Jay. That, that that's what we're gonna we're gonna go. We're gonna revert back to the original PGA. It's just you took Saudi money, bro. I don't know about you. I a part of me wishes I had that type of shamelessness in me. Oh, you know no, what I mean? No, no, no. I really do. Because no. I mean, there are there's no repercussions or accountability for it. In 2023, you can just be as greedy and shameless as you want, and and it it just doesn't matter. People keep on going right along with your act. Yeah. Fact. Buy buy a nice bed to sleep in too. Oh man, sleep comfortably. So there you have it. The callback with Maury Brown. This is just ridiculous. It was. Um, a couple of texts and uh, a couple of YouTube chats here. Fernando oh. Fernando Milan earlier in the show chatted. Cattle, Cattles is always complaining about something. Is this true? I don't know if he was saying that I was complaining about. Um, was this when I was eating granola? Yeah. But I don't know if he was saying that or if, if he was saying I'm complaining about something sports-wise. But uh, for dramatic effect, I, I do tend to complain about certain I mean, I'll, I was just having a snack, and I was verbally attacked. And this goes back to me again uh-huh. of uh, my point that I've made several times during this show. We've, we've, had, we've worked together for almost a year now. Mm-hmm. Rami complains more than I do. But Two somehow, weeks. Two weeks till my one-year anniversary. Somehow, some way, somehow, some way, Rami escapes and i'm the one seen as the bad guy the complainer the pessimist that's because i'm happy go lucky easy going love everybody you my sir are not i so am that's my brand that's what i do you have hoodwinked the listeners of this show i was just enjoying some very delicious protein packed peanut butter granola during a break and a little water i had a little sip of water and oh my god you have to eat and drink and so loud you know what you verbally accosted me for being a person who eats and drinks at least i didn't threaten to choke out an owner of a team today <laughs> uh willie bowen by the way speaking of food checked in with his meal today. oh what's willie eating we're gonna go philly cheesesteak footlong sub Woo. with mozzarella cheese sticks oh and a cherry Dr. Pepper. There you go, Willie. You only no, live once. Real talk, Willie man is starting to, uh, we're going to slide him a salad diet. <laughs> Get him on some rabbit food, though, fellas. Cause I'm every a little time, worried. Yeah, every time Willie checks in, he's got some heart cardiac <laughs> cafe type stuff going on. He went with the cheesesteak and, and the, the sticks. sticks. Come on, man. And yeah, the Pepsi. Really. And a pe- the cherry. Dr. Pepper. Right. Dr. Pepper. Cherry, Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper. Same thing. Is there anything else that he could shove into his body food-wise that would not this be... This dude eating full-on steaks, Nick. Necessarily great for his... Uh... <laughs> What's for dessert, Willie? Drop dessert in the chat, bud. I know there's dessert. I have faith in you. Just like Bill Walton uh, documented 30 for 30, 30 for on 30. here. Yeah. His wife doesn't age. Oh, my God. They're showing pictures throughout yeah, the years of really, her, yeah. and she looks the same. She looks exactly the same. When she was like 20, and now she's got to be in her 60s, and she looks the same. By the way, they show. I just looked up for a second, and they showed Bill Walton in the front row at a Grateful Dead concert. I would be so pissed if I went to a concert. Oh, dude. <laughs> Seven foot be one. Like, that'd be the playoff. That'd be the Kings playoff game that I went to. <laughs> Guys standing in front of me the whole time. If, yes. 
If you're seven foot one, you don't need to be in the front row, bro. Move back a few. <laughs> that's that's uncalled for. What Tall are, people are out of control. What are we doing, Bill? <laughs> really? Bill Walton looks like he has a hell of a house, though. He's got a pool table. He's got a bar. He's got a he's teepee. Got, he's got this room of like drums and a piano. And oh my god, a little outdoor library. Good for him, man. Good for Bill. He's awesome. You're not lying. His wife does look like she's 30. Yeah, she looks, looks the, same. the same. She looks the same. Now I don't know if she's had some help in that category. I think they live that Nonetheless, lifestyle. Nonetheless, she looks the same. Living that healthy, all natural lifestyle. She does. She oh. doesn't look like she's aged. Unlike Willie. <laughs> you see Willie dessert there, Nick? Rami? No, I did not. What's the dessert? What is it? It's a Dutch apple pie there with French go. vanilla ice there cream. There you go, Willie. There's ah, a lot guy. going on, man. My guy. There's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, Willie needs the Atkins or something, brother. <laughs> Sooner or later. Keto? Yeah. <laughs> Willie's, Willie's the type of cat. Who's, he's probably like 130 pounds, too, like right? right up and down. Yeah. Willie told us before he's a veteran, I think a Marine, former Marine. See? So he's, you go. Yeah, he's probably he's probably, probably all jacked, jacked up. Yeah. Right. Metabolism yeah. off the charts. It's like Michael Phelps. Like he, yeah. when Phelps was eating like 8,000 calories, 10,000 calories, whatever it was, crazy a day. Yeah. Willie's <laughs> going like 10,000 calories a day, but he's working out. <laughs> Six hours, six pack. All, all he does, all he does, is work out and eat steak and cheeses. That's all he does. Proteins, man. I only mess with Gotta proteins. Get the protein. Uh, Gotta get the protein. It's crucial. Gotta get that steak. Bill Walton's <laughs> wife, who doesn't age, simply amazing. She really has not aged. No, it's crazy. All right, we'll wrap this up next. So the Spurs are going to be at the Cali Classic on July third and fifth, of course. Which begs the question of whether or not Victor Wembanyama will be there because we know the Spurs are going to draft Wemby at number one. You sure about that? Yeah, I'm pretty confident. And uh, Commissioner Silver weighed in on the idea of Wemby playing in Sacramento instead of Vegas because people might wonder if uh, the NBA would rather have Wembanyama's quote-unquote debut happen in Vegas. Uh, Silver said, quote, all summer leagues are NBA summer leagues. I'm very supportive of the Sacramento Summer League. I remember when Vivek first came to the league and said this was something he wanted to do. I said, as long as you have enough other teams who support it and players who want to play in it, it's a good thing. So apparently if Webanyama plays in Sacramento, he'd be the uh, first number one pick not to debut in Vegas since Markel Fultz in 2017. Uh, the 76ers that year played in Utah's Summer League before going to Vegas. So Rami... Possibility of Wemby being here in uh, Sacramento. You think it's going to happen? Uh, I wouldn't bet on it. I, 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 quite frankly, I didn't know a lot about the California Classic before moving to California. And the way Jay laid it out to me, as far as the stars that do or do not play in the California Classic, I it it seems unlikely that that he would be there. And quite frankly, I know Adam Silver is saying what he's saying there, but I don't. Know. Does he mean it? You know what I mean? I don't know how important it is that Wembenyama, the biggest draft prospect in years, debuts in Las Vegas at the official NBA Summer League, but that's probably how they'd prefer it goes down, right? Yeah, that, because you've got ESPN there. You've got NBA TV there. You you've got the eyeballs. most bang for your buck. Right. You want the biggest pop you can get, so to, to use wrestling right. terminology for this guy. More, more eyeballs on him making his debut, and you just take – 
you take a little bit of that pop out of it if he's already played in the California Classic. And it's more likely you have a full crowd in Vegas because people go to Vegas now for the for the summer league. Mm-hmm. So it's more likely when Wemby debuts, he has that full arena. Now, I think you could pack nine, ten thousand 10,000 at the G1C to see Wemby possibly. But, uh, you know, if you were a betting man and you were Adam Silver, you you definitely lean towards Vegas. I don't think he'd stop it from happening. No, yeah. I don't know. No, I don't think he, he that, can't. Yeah, and can't. it doesn't matter that much to him, I don't think. It, it'd be awful if he did that. So, But I'm not sold that when Benyama plays this summer at all. We'll see. I mean, look, San Antonio is going to be overprotective of Wemby, and they should be. Uh, they got to keep an eye on the amount of work he's doing. You know, he's he's got the frame, and we've talked about the injuries and all that stuff to guys that are framed like him. But he's still playing in France. He's still playing. So, you know, we talk about you know, college players being done in March. And Wemby is still playing in early June. So you're going to have him jump on a plane less than a month after playing his last game. And play, I just, I would not be surprised if he doesn't play at all. And there's no question of his talent. Like, what are you going to learn? So, uh, meanwhile, the NFL apparently is struggling to get a hard knocks team, Rami, this time around. Now, there's four eligible teams, the Jets, the Bears, the Saints, and the Commanders. Rank those for me, Rami. Which of those four teams, one through four, would you want to say? I'm biased, right? You'd go Chicago one? Yeah, I want the Bears. I I would like to. Chicago's my four. I would like a little behind the scenes and the the, the development and the coaching of of a Justin Fields. Chicago's last on my list. That's fine. Hey, to to each their own. Of course it's fine. I'm not going to tell you how to fan. That's who I want to see. Uh, Number two is the Jets. For obvious reasons. Jets are my number one. With Aaron Rodgers being there. Um, I want to see Rodgers dancing on the Swifty concert. The Saints are just kind of boring. So I think I put them fourth behind the Commanders, who have all kinds of controversy and drama swirling around that organization. Saints that- are third because Chicago's more boring than the Saints. You think so? Really? Yeah. yeah. Really? Justin Fields is like it. That's it. What else is going on in Chicago? That is going to excite me. New Orleans, you got Alvin Kamara maybe looking at a, a felony assault charge. You got DJ Moore. You got Mike Thomas's drama. Yeah, the Bears do suck. Nobody believes in Dennis Allen as a head coach. Hmm. Washington has the new owner stuff. No, I'm sticking to it. For Ron me, it's Rivera. Bears, Jets, Commanders, Saints in that order. Jets, Commanders, Saints, Bears. How much, if Washington was the team, how much do we see Sam Howell actually do anything on the field? I mean, he's their quarterback, so probably plenty, I'm guessing. You have to shield him a little bit, don't you? I, I don't know. Are we going to hear from K-Ninus today? What's going on? Uh, we, are, we are going to. We are going, let's not rush a good thing, okay? We, we've got the people patiently waiting to hear this. Because you were so steadfast on pushing this on us. This is a heavy metal band with a dog as the lead singer. You're like a uh, like kid at Christmas. You know what I mean? You're a little There's too excited. two dogs. Two dogs. Two dogs. Oh. Oh. Double dog dare you. You got, you got the man. double dog. Burger. By the way, we found out Willie was a Navy vet. I said Marines. My apologies. And uh, he weighs 210 on the YouTube page. Yeah, unless he's five foot one, he's in good shape. Right. Exactly what we thought. All right, well, uh, thanks to Simone. Thank you, Simone. Because I have to thank her. If not, trust me. She'll, I got a beat today. I'm okay with that. She'll come after me. She just graded herself. Um, <laughs> JJ, great stuff as well. Rami, you were irritating. But, Thank you. you know, we got through it. That's what I'm here for. Everybody have a fantastic Tuesday night. Be good, be safe, be healthy. We're back tomorrow. Of course, full boat, 2 to 6. Till then, it's Cattles and Rami, Sacktown Sports. K-9 is take it away.
Outlet. Outlet. Outlet.